Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 64 of the J Situation podcast. I'm recording this on May 25th, 2021. Oh my goodness. I just ate the best pad thai. Oh my god. Well, okay, maybe not the absolute best. Because, look, I have been to Thailand, and there there is a little town called Pattaya. And it has some really amazing pad thai. And I tell you what, you know, that was good. But this stuff I just had, dang, man. It's one of those, just dang. Diggity dang. I, I, I ate this pad thai, I was like, what? It's just one of those places, man. One of those takeout places where you're just like, like, man, just like hit that spot. And you're like, huh, I might ditch my other go-to Thai place for this place. You know, you know what, when that happens, it's kind of weird, right? It's like, it's not quite as different as changing your barber, but it's, it's still pretty serious, right? Like changing your Thai place is like, whoa, relax. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, I ate some of that, and right, you know, right before I sat down to record this this podcast here, um, I saw some folks asking on social media. They're asking me, you know, they say, Jay, is it a good idea for me to run an adjustable gas block on my AR? I said, Well, I tell you right now, if you're running a silencer on your AR, nine times out of ten, I think an adjustable gas block is the ticket for you. And personally, for my rifles, I, I, I'm i going to run an adjustable gas block always. Like, always. I mean, it gives you an easy way to tune the gun for, for your silencer and ammo. And, uh, and heck, for different silencers, too. And that's something you need to keep in mind. And you may be asking yourself, Jay, different silencers? How many silencers can one person even buy? And where where would they even buy them? Well, you uh, you could, you could get them from Silencer Shop. <laughs> the J Situation Podcast is proudly sponsored by Silencer Shop, the most efficient and intelligent way to purchase silencers. As a silencer consumer, I'm telling you, Silencer Shop is not only my dealer of choice, but it is my global silencer infrastructure of choice. Global. Let's just say national. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It is it is my infrastructure of choice. Uh, Sansa Shop has done a lot of cool stuff. Okay, they the, one of the cool things, and I I seldom hear it talked about. They created a very easy system that minimizes the likelihood of errors in your paperwork. Okay, it's all digital. They pioneered the use of the QR code on the actual form four. The ATF is able to scan the code electronically instead of fat fingering all your information in there. I mean, imagine how many examiners they have working around the clock. It's like a it's like a a room full of monkeys on typewriters typing Shakespeare eventually. But you don't want that to happen with your forms. No. You want them to use a QR code. And that's what they do. Okay? It's really neat. And so that that's one of the reasons why Sansa Shop has grown. They continue to innovate. And that's it's you know sometimes it's very Difficult to in- innovate in an old industry like the firearms industry, but but Sonsor Shop is here to do that. You know, they have a network of dealers nationwide where sponsors are legal. You can use their kiosk, do your fingerprints, do your photos electronically. And, you know, you, you cut down on, on errors. You simplify your sponsor purchasing process. They have a money-back guarantee. It's great. No transfer fees. No paperwork errors. It's just you and your silencer 
with no drama. It truly is silencer ownership simplified. And if that weren't enough, efficiency for you. What if you want to know how a silencer performs? Well, this podcast is also sponsored by Pew Science, pushing the silencer industry forward one test at a time. You can visit pewscience.com for the suppression rating. It's the simplest and most accurate hearing safe ratings for your suppressed small arms. And these ratings are based on true human sound perception. Okay, it is in section five of the silencer sound standard. Standard walks you through gunshot noise and it's sort of like Wikipedia, but it's way cooler because it's about gun physics. I mean, frankly, who doesn't love a a big batch of gun physics? (laughs) You know, it's kind of cool. And, you know, there are actually seven parts to the standard. They're all on PewScience.com for you to read. And if you haven't seen the Silencer Sound Standard, it's okay. Don't be overwhelmed. You can skip directly to the suppression rating in Section 5. It'll let you know how silencers stack up in comparison to one another with regard to sound at the muzzle and at the shooter's ear, and you get a hearing-safe dose limit for the particular platforms on which the silencers are tested. Directly tied to human perception. If the rating is higher, it sounds better. If the rating is lower, it will probably sound louder to you. That's all there is to it, and you will not find this information anywhere else. This is... A Pew Science effort, okay? And uh, the sixth uh, section of the standard, you know, if, if you want to peruse that on the website, that's where all your reviews are going to be. Uh, your in-depth nitty-gritty, you can go check them out on the website there, pewscience.com. And if and you know what? If you see those and you're like, whoa, this is crazy. You know, you, what are all these graphs? What does it all mean? Say, so, Okay. Relax, first of all. <laughs> At the top of each review, there's a number in big bold letters. That's the suppression rating. It's going to help you. And if you go to section seven, there's a table, the ranking section. And you can sort the table to your heart's content. And uh, you can find find uh, when things are quiet or loud and suppression rating, small or big numbers there in the table. You, you sort it by muzzle. You sort it by ear. You sort it by the overall suppression rating. You can play around to your heart's content. And uh, who knows? Maybe soon there'll be some more parameters to sort. Things are being added to Pew Science every day. Stay tuned. <laughs> so yeah, the, the like I said, the ranking section in section seven contains that that table, that database tool. You can sort the data there, and then uh, you know if you see something you like, there's there's a little hyperlinks in the table there that they can take you back to the reviews, so you don't have to dig through everything if you don't want to. Okay, so I will say. Uh, if you are a manufacturer of silencers or weapon systems and, and you would like to use PewScience for private testing and consulting services or maybe to, to verify independently some of the data you have generated yourself in your own R&D processes or things like that, well, there's a form on the website with which you can submit that inquiry uh, to us, to PewScience, and your contact information and all, all test data will be held in strict confidence, of course, uh, unless, of course, you, you tell me, Jay, can you please write an article and showcase the data you collected um, on your website? And I will say, well, yes, I can. And then I will for you. So we, we've done that several times, and uh, you'll, 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 you'll see some more this year. So we, you know, we have some ongoing testing for, for some clients and uh, some past testing we did too that will be released um, here and there. 
you can check you can check out the 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 some of the the contracted tests on pewscience.com right now there there are some some there and you can support this podcast pew science and our testing by joining with a membership at pewscience.com and you know you can rate the podcast on itunes you can tell your friends you can tell your wife tell your kids tell your dog tell your neighbors tell your barber be like hey have you heard the good word about Pew Science? <laughs> but if you do, the thrust here is that we normalize silence or use. It's very important. It's very important to normalize the use of silencers, um, not only in your shooting, but in common vernacular. Um, you know, the, the more you nor- normalize the term, the more um, it'll it'll be less. Uh, insurmountable for people to comprehend and therefore uh, less scary and then uh, we'll win the hearts and minds and and we eventually will we will have a silencer in every gun Um, all the bad gassy silencer hosts will cease to exist (laughs) one can dream all right i got four topics for you today topic one sound signature review 643 the dead air nomad 30 on supersonic 308 this is the Nomad 30 first gen. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Topic two, what to expect from gross designs going forward? And what not to expect? Like what can we expect from silencers? I mean, frankly, what kind of advancements are we going to see? We'll talk about that. Topic three, listener questions. Again, I love it. I'm going to answer some more for you. I love it. I just love it. So I'm going to do that. Topic four, Welcome to new manufacturer members of Pew Science. Shout out to, to KG Made, um, KGM. They are uh, KGM Technologies, like they're, they're called now. They uh, they joined Pew Science. So I want to thank them, and uh, a huge thanks to consumers and dealers nationwide for supporting this effort. Okay, man, I have this little uh, notepad here, or piece of paper that I'm using to like, I'll, like take little notes and scroll down stuff. And, you know, I'm not one to waste things, so I have this piece of paper. I've used it for quite some time, and I'm looking for little bits of room on this piece of paper in which to, or on which to uh, write my timestamps. Because <laughs> I'm like, you should see it. It's like, okay, topic topic one at a time of 10 minutes, 36 seconds. That's not the longest I've ever done. Not the shortest either. Okay. Topic one. Oh, man. I tell you what. Oh, my goodness. Sound Signature Review 643, the Dead Air Nomad 30 first gen on Supersonic 308. Man. I'm going to pull up this review right now. Oh, my God. Okay. You were so patient. You really were. You you, you were so dang patient um, waiting for this. Waiting for this dang nomad data, you know, I, it, it took forever. Everyone was asking, Jay, when you're going to do it? What? Where's the nomad? Uh, I don't understand. And there, was cons- there were conspiracy theories. I heard the craziest stuff. I heard everything from, oh, well, didn't you hear that, that Jay's in a, in a lawsuit with dead air? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it was crazy. No, um, it, no, I heard worse than that. I heard all kinds of stuff about why this, why that. No, it's fine. You, you're, 
you, you, you know, there, there were some delays. There were various things that were going on in the industry. You know, sometimes those things happen, but suffice to say, um, we got it done. We, we were able to, um, to persevere through administrative hurdles, red tape hurdles, um, political hurdles and things like that. And I was able to get my hands on several silencers, um, test them and even, uh, and even discuss, discuss the results with actually the entire dead air team. Um, well, or at least the, the team that matters in dead air. So, um, it was pretty cool and they're super nice folks and, uh, you know, great and um was was the was the weight worth it though you know did you did it live up to your expectations did i surprise you by releasing the gen 1 data did you even know there was a gen 1 what was what or was that disappointing to you that it was gen 1 were you glad are you glad now that you know <laughs> are you curious about the performance of the updated models so many questions i am asking you questions now because um well, first of all, how does that feel? How does that feel to get asked questions? You know, it's your turn. You know, sometimes, sometimes I want to know. I want to know how you guys feel. Data was received and how how it was received by you, and if it's meeting your expectations, um, it's important. It's important to both meet and manage expectations. I think um, we, we we'll hit we'll, we'll hit expectations of the next topic. But um, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But yeah, the Nomad 30, um, Sound Signature Review 643. You, you guys realize there's almost 50, almost 50 insane articles on the website now, right? That's that's ridiculous. And uh, we're getting really, really good at understanding how silencers work now. Okay? Like, we're getting really good at it. Um, like, oh, really good. Because that's a lot of data, and, and and it's public, and you know the analysis is public, and you you think manufacturers are using this data? Well, I can tell you, I can tell you, I have been in extremely close communication with Dead Air about this data. Okay, specifically, Mr. Todd McGee, shout out, powerful Todd McGee, shout out to Todd. Um, he he and I have actually known each other for for uh, quite a long time. Um, and I tell you what. He, you know, he designs what they make. He designs the data silencers, and uh, he he is um, he is an optimizer. He does optimize things, uh, and it's interesting. Every time I find something weird, um, or I have an explanation I think is right, but a little radical about his silencers, I I reach out to him and say, hey. So this is what I think. This is what I see. This is what I found. And Todd's like, you know, he confirms it. He's like, yeah, well, this and that. And he gives me like something to, I'm like, oh my God, really? Cool. And it's really neat. And then I move on because I'm like, cool. Okay. Checked it with Todd. He confirmed his silencer behavior does this. And what I'm showing in my test does this too. So copacetic, right? So it's great. And having, having a direct line to the designer of a product um, when you evaluate it is actually a fairly rare um, in 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 some industries and in some industries it's common but in, in a lot of industries it's not and so um, it is I consider myself very lucky to be able to interface w- with a lot of these folks and, and give that information to you guys in context I think that's important um, so 
I have checked and rechecked and gut checked everything I have published about the Nomad and the data that I continue to analyze about the other Nomads I've tested. Okay, so the data is not only right about this stuff, it is groundbreakingly right. Okay, like it's not just a little bit right. Like this data is is the data. It's the this is the answer for for the for the nomad performance in gas dynamics, okay? This is this is the, it. I'm pretty proud of this cuz it's right and that's good. So we're 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 maintaining our perfect record here. <laughs> Of not of not misleading you, um, so yeah. So let's look at the review. We'll we're gonna look at it together. Take my hand as I lead you through the forest of data, truth, and wondrous silence. Okay. So, and before I even talk about this silencer, I, I keep I'm sorry I keep like teasing you. Um, this is I, I, I do want to say this, and I'm gonna be sincere. This silencer is not a trash panda. Okay. Uh, and you, you, you'll learn why today, listening to this, or if you read the article, you, you'll you, you've read that and why. But I just want to say it up front. I, I just want to make sure you understand. It is not a trash bandit. It is totally different in almost every way. The only thing that is similar between the Nomad and the Trash Panda is the overall size and their silencers. Like they're both 30 caliber silencers and they're around the same size. Like that is the only thing that's that's the same about these silencers. That's it, dude. Um But Jay, I, I heard this copied that, and I heard this other thing copied this, and I I don't I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what you heard. I'm telling you what is real and what's not real. So buckle up, okay? Okay, so this this silencer is steel. It's tubeless. It has seven baffles. It has a modular rear end. Okay. The first gen, the first gen of the silencer, the silencers that were first made, what are the differences between the first gen and later gens, later generations? Well, the first gen has lower profile tool features on the rear of the silencer. So that's one telltale sign. The the, the baffle notches inside aren't aligned. So that's another sign. Um, There are different blast chamber dimensions. That's another sign. Um... It was probably manufactured by BPI instead of KGM. That's another sign. Uh, there are little things here and there that add up. And uh, suffice to say, and this is something I really want you to hear when I say it, I had to release Gen 1 data. I had no choice. Okay? It had to be done. It had to be. It would be a disservice to consumers and to the industry if I hadn't. Okay, so there you go. And I don't think I need to explain why. Okay, I can't go and only release an updated silencer when I when when there's so many of these out there. I just can't do that. It's not right. Okay? So here we are. All right? Now, the silencer with the direct thread mount is 14.4 ounces. That's from my scale. That's the number from my scale that I weighed. Um, now, keep in mind... You know, that's, okay, so that's with the mount. That's with the direct thread mount. So keep that whole, like, holistically in the back of your head as we go through this because this thing's all steel. It's not tight. This is not titanium. There's no titanium on the silencer. Um, And it only weighs 14.4 ounces. So, and, and this is the Gen 1. 
right? So are you intrigued? <laughs> because you should be. Because keep in mind, the Nomad TI exists. The titanium version of this silencer. And, and with that one, you lose over four ounces of weight when you change the material to titanium. And so that is a different silencer. We're not going to talk about that one today because it it... You're gonna to have to. You're gonna see data on that from Pew Science. I promise you. I have the data. I've already analyzed it all. Um, it's gonna be similar to the Gen Two Nomad data. Okay. So, excuse me. That pad tie though. <clears throat> you're gonna. Um, oh, one second. I'm just gonna get some water. Oh, that's better. <clears throat> Yeah, um, yeah, it's always a great idea to eat dinner before you record a podcast, right, Jay? Okay, good job. Um, you, you're going to need to know that the, the Gen 2 Nomad and the Nomad TI are similar. So I, I actually consider them to be different silencers. I would not even, like, there are obviously there's similarities between Gen 1 and Gen 2, but I, I would treat them. The performance is different enough that I would treat Gen 1 and Gen 2 as different silencers. The performance is different enough, okay? Like like you 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 can determine it yourself. It's not it's not it's not subtle to me. Okay? So that's I, I don't I don't know uh, if if this is like the first time you're hearing this from someone, but I mean, am I the only one who knows this? No, I mean Dead Air does. Um but now you know it too. Okay, um, so stay tuned. But so stay tuned for the Nomad TI data, and stay tuned for the um, the updated Nomad Thirty data, which is basically going to be the same. I'll probably just release that. I'll just call that the same as the TI. And um, in fact, what I'll do is I'll post a picture with this podcast of a of a TI on a gun or something. On a, I'll just put it on a mini fix. What could go wrong? Okay, back to the Gen One review data. Okay, so your review six forty three. Um, 37.6 suppression rating overall uh, on the Savage uh, Savage Model 10 Precision Carbine 20-inch barrel 308 bolt action. Uh, that's supersonic, folks. 37 at the ear. 37 flat at the ear. 27.3 at the muzzle. That's good. Um, wh- where is this first-gen Nomad sitting? Let's go, uh, let's go to PewScience.com. Right, meow. PewScience.com. We're going to go to uh, rankings. PewScience rankings right here. And we're going to scroll down to the rankings table. Uh, notice we are in the 7.1 section of the rankings, the suppression rating rankings. Okay. Let's go to the table. I'm going to go ahead and sort by ammunition. Supersonic 308, Winchester only. Boom. Okay. Then now that I have all only the 308 reviews, I'm going to scroll into the table. I'm going to sort overall composite rating descending. Okay. So my Nomad 30 is sitting third with a 37.6 overall. It's right. It's a, so it's a little bit louder than an Omega. Um, in total, it's a little bit. Um, in total, it's a little bit louder than an Omega. Why is that? On this gun, why is that? It's the uh, it's the ear number. Um, and actually, when you look at this, which is really interesting. Just the way this works out, um, at the muzzle, the Nomad is quieter. 
okay? The, no, the nomad is quieter um, at the muzzle. So, and, and I mean, that's a, that's a Gen 1. I mean, that, that this is this is the Gen 1 Nomad. So it's not like, oh man, I just wish I, and I, and I almost, I almost released it all at once. The Nomad is just really competitive. Um, it, it's, it's really competitive with silencers of its size that are high performance. I mean, it's sitting right between the Omega 300 from Silencer Co. and the Hyperion K from CGS. And those silencers are really, really close. So this Gen 1, no, the Gen 1 Nomad, um, 37 at the ear on the on the 20-inch bolt gun. The, C, the, the CGS Hyperion K, 37.1 at the ear. The Silencer Co. Omega 38 at the ear. I mean, they are like neck and neck these things are basically for all intents and purposes if you shot an omega a nomad a, a gen 1 nomad 30 and a cgs hyperion k on your hunting rifle in all likelihood the shooter would would it would be a wash okay it would be a wash to them um so that's pretty cool and you know, bystanders would probably think the Nomad's quieter than the the Omega and the Hyperion K. Okay, so that kind of shows you where this fits in, um, as far as like how for a silencer this size, just kind of kind of where it fits in. Okay, um, yeah. So that's like I guess broad strokes. Now, when you want to move a little bit, um, you know. You want to get a little more technical about it. It does have higher back pressure than the Hyperion K. Okay, and well, a lot higher than the Hyperion K. So, um, you know, so again, it's going to sound similar to the shooter, but that's on a bolt gun. But it has it does have higher back pressure. Um, 147 dB, I think. Let's see. Let's cl close these rankings. And go go to the yeah so 147 dB at the muzzle flat average, and 100, oh, 126.9 uh, decibel millisecond impulse. Uh, those 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 numbers actually mean nothing to you, so ignore them. <laughs> I just wanted to, <laughs> for the sake of completeness, tell you. But I mean they're they're in the review there, but the, the, that means nothing to you, so ignore them. The suppression rating is 37.6. That's what you need to know. Okay, use the suppression rating chart. Use the rankings table. They're there to help you. Trust me. Like you're, you're you will not get a ban better answer without shooting them yourself. Okay, trust me. So you see, like go ahead and if you're in the review, look at Figure One. Now Figure One, you see the first round pop right in pressure space. Um, it looks awfully similar to the short surge to the Omega. It looks very similar. That signature, right? Isn't that eerily similar? Um, it's interesting. And um, the Omega is a little quieter, but it it has um, it has a tighter bore than the uh, than the, the, the than the Nomad, and um, and it has a little bit higher back pressure than the Nomad. Um, which is interesting, but the, the FRP waveform kind of, it kind of tells you what we know, right? 
Like, so what do we know about this Nomad? It traps gas. It has a relatively high flow rate, but not super high. So the back pressure is moderate. The flow restriction is moderate. The mass flow rate is moderate. Super different signature than the Hyperion K. Okay, Hyperion K flows gas way faster. Hyperion, Hyperion K is louder at the muzzle. Um, and at the ear on this host, again, they're literally neck and neck. At the ear on this host, those the Hyperion K and the first gen Nomad are neck and neck. And so, and remember when I said that this silencer is not a trash panda? It's because it's an utterly completely different type of silencer in every possible way. It has coaxial chambers on every baffle. It has ports to them. It dumps the pressure to get away from the bore so that you 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 can make room for new gas. Okay, so this is how you suppress effectively in the supersonic flow regime with a short silencer. You don't make a trash panda to do that, that's for sure. Okay, the only way to make a trash panda suppress supersonic like the Nomad is to make the bore of the trash panda tighter. This is because the trash panda gets pressurized quickly for its volume and it can't relieve the high pressure zones fast enough so the flow sheds right down the bore. If you've ever seen a Q silencer being shot on a high pressure round, like 762 by 51 or 308, you know, and, and if you look at it from the side, if you're not the shooter, but if you're an observer and you're looking at it like 90 degrees, if you're looking at from the side, you will see cone ejecta from the end cap. Um, condensation, uh, depending on uh, heat uh, temperature differential and some other things, but you will see cone ejecta, and it is a huge, violent, high-pressure flow field. Look at figure... In fact, this is a good exercise for you. If you look in figure 2B in Sound Signature Review 6.4 of the Trash Panda, way back when, from way back when, you see that you'll see the huge shock in early time. If you, I don't know if you guys remember that. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Okay, if you look at that shock it, in early time, you get a shock. Like the first peak is a is a textbook shock. Right as the bullet leaves, it's coupled with that. Why is that? Why does the trash panda do that? It's the big bore. Okay, um, it 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 that it, it couldn't that high pressure flow. It couldn't get trapped due to having absolutely nowhere to go. And this is as we've gone through Pew Science study and re, and research. This is what we're learning. Did, did I know exactly what was going on with the trash panda when I reviewed it last year? I had, a, had an idea. I mean, we, we we characterized the back pressure, we characterized the the sound suppression, but I didn't I didn't really focus on the 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 gas dynamics as much because I was still learning about some of this in what we're seeing some of the waveforms, and we we've learned. I mean, in this past year, we've learned a significant amount of of stuff about all these different silencers because we've basically tested every type of silencer now. Like you, you might be asking yourself, oh, well, you haven't tested this. You haven't tested that. It's like, well, we've tested enough stuff now, to enough of the basic designs where we're kind of seeing patterns and we're, we've, we, we're not, we're recognizing behavior now. And now we're correlating um, a lot of the wave shapes to like physical behavior. So it's all like lining up. So now we're, we've, we're dialed in now. Like we're calibrated, we're dialed in. And what we're seeing now is like, it's textbook stuff now. Like I remember talking about the review six point four of the trash bender early on when I was like, "Wow, that lets out gas really quick. Must have lower back pressure." And it did. But now we can say something else. We say, "Well, why did it do that?" Well, we knew it was because of the big bore. 
We knew that. But why else? So, well, where else was that gas going to go? Did you feel the silencer? There's no... There's nowhere for it to go. That silencer is just a bunch of cones. There's no special sauce in it. And so... um there's just no efficient gas trap for super high pressure flow in a trash panda. And so that the only reason it does okay is because it has a lot of volume. And that is why you can actually make a Nomad or a Hyperion lower volume and still be quieter than a trash panda. If you wanted to, if you wanted to, they haven't, or well, I shouldn't say that, but you haven't seen a smaller Nomad or Hyperion before. Um, I mean, well, the Hyperion K is smaller than the Trash Panda, right? But like you have, you, you can make a ta- you can make a smaller diameter Nomad or a smaller diameter Hyperion. You can be still quite, be quieter than Trash Panda Supersonic Flow. I promise you. All you have to do is scale it right. Um, it doesn't scale exactly, I bet. But but uh, you don't need the same volume to do this. You don't because supersonic flow is different than subsonic flow. Okay, so this is why the Nomad is advanced, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, in the in the supersonic silencer game, so far from Pew Science, in the data, in the performance, in the analysis, what have you seen? What have you seen? You have seen a ton of simple cones of different shapes. Some work better than others work for certain things. Um, some, um. Some you know some back pressure is reduced when 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 when, when they when they make the the holes bigger, um, and, and port yada yada. There there's 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 ways to reduce back pressure, um, in in simple ways. But what happens to the Hyperion and the Nomad? What do they do? Those are coaxial. Like the true Omega baffle in the Trident, the SW Trident that I that I tested, right? So that's a gas stagnation relief. So yeah, so that's what you're seeing here in the Nomad. Now you're seeing a baby Hyperion, Hyperion-esque design, really. Here, so so is the Nomad a copy of the Trash Panda? Actually, if you really wanted, to, if you really wanted to be technically correct. If you really wanted to throw shade, like if you wanted to like cause like a political issue, you would call the Nomad a copy of the Hyperion. That's what you would you would actually say because the Trash Panda is not in this conversation. So the technology in the Nomad series and the Hyperion series is different, but it's similar. And so there are advantages and disadvantages actually to both that I can see. And so you'll have to stay tuned to see how different iterations compare. Okay, because it's going to get crazy. It's going to blow your mind, frankly. And I see, it's funny. I see all these, like, Instagram people say, like, it's like they think they know. Like, there's, yeah, this, I would recommend this. I'm like, dude, you, I don't know, man. You, you know, wait for the data. Like, if you don't have, if you don't have experience with these silencers, I don't know. I get nervous. I see these people. There's so many people that are like, I love this silencer because of this, and I love this silencer because of that. And they they give all these people advice about what silencer to get without even having shot them. And I'm like, guys, you're you are telling consumers what to buy, and that's not good. Never do that. Because you're not only are you like responsible part of you're you're kind of partially responsible for someone sinking money into something with like a year wait. 
but like you're doing it based on like something you don't understand. It's dangerous, man. These silencers are like really complicated. So I, I get nervous. It's funny. I, <laughs> the more I learn about this stuff, the more stuff I read on the internet, I'm just like, I cannot believe you guys are saying this stuff. Like I can't even, I can't even go on Facebook anymore. These Facebook groups, these all, I get invited to all these groups, like these form one builder things and like NFA owners. And like, they invite me to these groups. Like I get invitations every day to these different groups. I can't, I can't go to them. I rarely go to them. I barely, I barely can. Cause it's like, I don't know what it's the wild west in there. And people are still like, they're recommending stuff for people. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. So yeah, so you're going to see as we go forward with this nomad stuff, you're going to see some stuff that's going to make you not just going to make you question reality because you're, you're, you've been like misled by so many consumers and manufacturers and dealers that like you're, you're just, you don't even know where things sit. And it's like, it's driving me nuts, (laughs) frankly. So it's like, let me just release the data for you. Okay. Then you can. And you can have it. And then, then once you have the data, well, then use the data how you will. But until then, like, careful, man, because I, I, I don't even know. Like, honestly, like, no, and I'm, I don't mean to harp on this, but like, honestly, if you don't shoot a silencer yourself, and you don't have good data from Pew Science, what could you possibly base a recommendation on? Like, what are you doing? Like, you don't you don't know what the sensor sounds like. Like, if you haven't shot it or you don't have high fidelity data, like, what do you even like? So why so why are people recommending all these different silencers? Like, there can't be, like, you know. So there's that, right? So there's the crazy guys that are like totally like don't listen to those guys, and then there's the people who own one silencer. So like, well, my silencer is the best. So get get this, and I'm like. Bro, just be careful. Like, you, there's enough information now where it's like, and you have enough dealers where you can. You, I bet you, you can find a dealer in your town and shoot a silencer. Like, that experience is going to be more valuable to you than any forum search that you do. So, anyway, okay. I'll, I'm sorry, that was a, a digression. We didn't need to go into that, but let me move on. So, big picture. Let's look at big picture. Look at Figure Seven in this review. Hmm. Where is it? I have the member review open, so it's longer. Okay, figure seven. So I want you to look at figure seven because it's there for a reason. It's very powerful, that figure. It's very important because it's visual and and it's it's a quick and dirty thing there. Now, it's a good discussion prompt for me, for you, um, for your buddies at the bar. And, you know. If you're silencer nerds and you're drinking a beer and you're talking about this, well, Godspeed. But <laughs> so I sorted what I did was I in, in Figure Seven there in the review review six forty three in the website. I sorted by back pressure metric, um, by the Omega metric in the figure, and the Omega three hundred is at the bottom. Go figure. Um, if you are listening, Silencer Co., um, that was not on purpose. Um, I didn't mean to put like your silencer at the bottom there as if it's like the worst silencer or something. No, it's just, it's just that it has the higher back pressure, the highest back pressure in that group. And so that's why I put it there. Um, it's just in order. That's all. And, and 
So, by the way, Sansa Co., if you're out there, let me know. I I hope you're not upset with me because I named that Omega. Okay, <laughs> so the Nomad 30, first gen, and keep in mind that um, is an important part of this. The first gen Nomad has back pressure that is is less than the Omega, the Omega 300, um, and we know that's right. We know that's correct. That's been confirmed. Um, that, that 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 has been confirmed. Um, so that that's that's great that that, that matches the, matches the data matches the metric all right i had to pause the um i had to pause the the recording there and now i just lost my place i had a, i had a technical difficulty with um with something so okay i'm back um that was probably going to sound uh sound confusing so the Nomad 30, um, it has back pressure that is less than the Omega 300. We know that's correct. Um, we, we know that's correct. I confirmed that with dead air. Um, in the chart, what, you're, what are you going to see with regard to suppression rating? Well, right away, um, you can pick out you can pick out um, similar silencers. Um, Sound signature-wise, graphically, right? So remember that it was the Nomad 30. Is the Surefire actually is in here? The Hyperion K and the OSS too. Like so, if you basically, if you if you look at that figure, all in all, like you can kind of just if you 10,000 foot view, you can see the at year ratings in blue. You can kind of see oh 34, 37, 37, 36, like. You can kind of see the ones that stand out, right? Omega, Nomad, Surefire, Hyperion K, OSS. It's kind of, it's, you know, the, it's, the OSS and Radiant is kind of holding up the rear there with the, with the Harvester, um, you know, at the ear on these guns. Um, you know, then you get into louder stuff, you know, uh, the, you know, the Radiant and the Salmon S sound a lot, a lot, of, a lot of like on a bolt gun. So it's, you know the OSS, is, the OSS is, a, is a kind of a boomy sound too. It's kind of different, but yeah, it's wild, right? When you look at all like that, when you look at all the data, what what you see is classes of sound performance on a bolt gun at the ear. You're seeing different classes and where silencers with strikingly different technologies kind of end up. Okay. Would you have ever guessed, would you have ever guessed that it would look like this for Supersonic 308 with any of the reviews that you have seen anywhere else on the entire internet? Um, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you could possibly get this information anywhere else because you're... Where have you ever been able to see, well... Yeah, but what? How does it sound to the shooter on a bolt gun? I mean, you've never seen that before. I mean, a lot of times you're like, well, they all sound the same. It's like, well, that's not true. I mean, there's there's huge disparities in some of these, like blatant, like like the the surge in the short configuration. That's a pretty similar size silencer to some of these other ones, and it sounds completely different. And I have tested that silencer a lot. A lot, a lot. And I'm so confident in this information. Like, I don't I don't know what else to tell you about that. Like, it's it's insane. It does it it flies in the face of all the marketing you see about silencers. Okay? It's wild. It 
and seriously, and I, and I mean this when I say it, Pew Science is showing you is showing you data that um, I just no one no one else is capable of showing this to you. Okay, and it's and it's that important. Like that's why I really want you to look when you look at this data. Know that it's not. This isn't like I'm not like pulling this out of my butt. <laughs> okay, like this is like this is straight up like rigorous. It's rigorous data. Okay, so there you have it. When you look at how the Nomad stacks up, there it is. This is the first gen Nomad before any improvements were made to it. This is this is fitting exactly where Dead Air wanted it to fit. They created a silencer that beat the Omega in back pressure, but could still match it in suppression fairly well. And it, and it pretty much does. I mean, that's what they did. Okay. That's what they did. And this is the supersonic suppression performance. Okay. So you're, you haven't even seen subsonic yet. So this is like, and that's the first, and this is the first gen. So I'm just here to tell you that like this does the design intent of the silencer was met. Okay. Cause I've talked to the designer a lot for years. And now that I've finally tested his silencer, I can say that what he has told me about his design intent matches with the data that I see and that I gathered. Okay. So that's important. That that's an, that's an important um, discovery for you, for him, for me, for the industry. Okay. Sorry that, but that technical difficulty earlier, I was, it's going to sound weird because I know I, I think I was talking about the, <laughs> me matching the me, me um, indicating that it has lower back pressure than the uh, than the Omega, and then I had to pause it, and then I came back and I was like, uh, "Did I already tell you that or not?" Sorry. Um, oh, and I should say that actually does remind me. That does remind me. There was some. There is some um, confusion. Some people were like, "Well, Jay, how come? Like, I don't understand. Like, I thought the Nomad had just as low a back pressure as the Sam NS." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no." No, 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 it does not. It does not. Now, I will say, though, one thing that's important, I will say, wait until you see the updated Nomad data because the Nomad, the new Nomad is lower back pressure than the old one. And it's and it's quieter. <laughs> okay, so we'll just wait and I'll show you that. And then you'll be like, what? And I'll be like, yeah, I know. It's still not going to, but it's not going to hit the Sam S. It's not. It's not going to hit the back, the low back pressure of the Sam S. It's going to be quieter. It's going to be going to be even more quieter than this one. But it's not going to go down to the back pressure of the Sam S. Don't get twisted. It can't, dude. The Sam S has a larger bore aperture and it doesn't have any coaxial elements. It's not trapping as much gas. Okay, so the Sam S is it has and it has lower back pressure. It just does. Okay, okay. That's the Omega metric. You can see that. That's that's there. Okay. Um. So yeah. The Nomad, it's small, it's light, it's durable, it's quiet, it's modular. Um, that's first gen. The Nomad, Nomad Ti. The new ones. Um, I, I I might even just release that next, just so I can stop talking about it. So you can have the complete picture. Um, 
But I have so much to tell you, too, because it's not only super, but it's sub. So it's like, oh, my God. I don't know. Maybe I will release it soon. I want to. Will I? I don't know. I haven't decided. It's going to get interesting. How interesting? Let's move into the next topic at a time of 47 minutes and one second. What to expect from gross designs going forward? What can we expect? And what not to expect? Um, Bro. Broettes. Pew Science Army. Industry. Manufacturers. Dealers. Distributors. OEMs. Children. Grandparents. Hi, I'm Jay. Welcome to 2021. <laughs> it's insane, though. We're going to get deep. I think we're going to get super deep. I have been seeing some interesting claims online. Um, and this kind of goes back to what I was kind of ranting about earlier. I'm not going to get too far off topic here, but when people start recommending stuff, I've some, seen some interesting claims online from various people, and I don't, I don't even answer these people because these people continue to reference single peak db testing is some kind of indicator dude it's done enough enough forget it stop if you're if you're not analyzing your full waveforms in 2021 you're you're wasting your time just stop like i mean and if you're gonna do it do it behind closed doors don't start parroting it to people unless you're gonna look at your full waveforms don't because you're here's the thing we know how to make quiet stuff now we know this. You see the data now. Now you know what's quiet and what's not, right? Okay. And you've shot the silencers, and now you have data to support it, right? Okay, so you're done. You know now. You know what, what they sound like. So you, you you see what's quiet, what's not. You want it to get better? Well, it's time to start using real analysis, okay? So it's time to start paying attention to Pew Science now. It's your choice. You don't have to, but, I mean, if you want to advance, you're going to have to. And if you don't, then well, then don't. But then when the game of musical chairs stops due to demand drop, well, then the lack of innovation in the holdouts is, you know, that you're just going to stay standing when the music stops and you don't have a chair to sit in. That's fine. But what are we going to see? So what are we going to see uh, designs going forward? Well, you know, what's really going to differentiate itself in supersonic flow suppression? Well, I mean, right now, frankly, if you aren't using coaxial elements in, in a supersonic silencer, are you even ready to play? I mean, are you are you gonna be relevant in five years? I mean, what are we learning here, guys? How long did it take us to learn it? I mean, well, it was learned a long time ago, but nobody talked about it. No one talked about this. Well, that's not. I mean, what you know? Why would you why would you take a curved cone mill cut baffle with a coaxial chamber and remove the coaxial part? Well, to get around a patent. Well. But why would you remove the part that lets you relieve high pressure flow stagnation? Unless you didn't know what it what it did. Unless you didn't actually know how the silencer worked. And that, my friends, is terrifying. Because what if there was a gigantic group of people in, in an industry that partially copied something but never copied the part that actually worked and then tried to make something as effective when they thought they got something similar, right? So they, they were like, okay, well, we're going to copy it. Uh, it's good enough. It works. We think this is fine. And then they stopped. And they said, okay, good enough. We're done. But they never went far enough to do it right. Like, they're like, well, we can't copy it. We're just going like, to... Like, is it possible that, 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 that Todd McGee and Josh Parker are the only two guys 
from the major manufacturers who decided to do something like that. Is that possible? Is it possible at the end of the day? Is it possible that high pressure or supersonic rifle silencer suppression is only being carried at the highest levels by two dudes that used to be with me on silencer talk? Talking smack about silencers. Is that 2021? Where we have two guys that used to be on a silencer forum talking smack about silencers being the dudes that are doing this right now? Really? <laughs> is that is that decades of advancement for you? <laughs> are you kidding me right now? No. I can't. Is That might be true, though. That, ladies and gentlemen, is your food for thought about where we are now and where we're going next. And I, I'm not. And look, you th- you think coaxial chambers are the only thing that makes a silencer good? Of course not. I'm not saying that. So don't get it twisted. Don't isolate something I'm saying and be like, oh, Jay said this. Jay said that. No, no, no. What I'm saying, I'm saying, there's a lot of good silencers out here. There's a lot of great silencers made by a lot of companies and a lot of them have are great for different reasons but what i'm saying is when it comes to the pinnacle of technology of sound suppression the supersonic flow regime what are we seeing what designs are we seeing that work and not just work as good as some other stuff that work in a on a different level which which technologies do that well it's it's these it's the it's the nomads it's the hyperions those are the ones for the size. Those are the ones. And why? Well, I already told you why. So when you see a silencer company 3D printing a silencer for fun that has like normal cone baffles in it, when they could be doing stuff that would, oh, I don't know, perform better, well, ask yourself what's going on, man. What's really going on here? Are we making, are we making um, AR receivers with Punisher logos on them, or are we making, or you know what I mean, or are we making like, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what I was going with that, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of saying like, don't this is this like the Affliction T-shirt of silencers, to use like an MMA analogy. Is this like an affliction t-shirt for silencers? If you if you're like doing a regular cone um, design that is part of someone else's design, but you didn't use the whole thing. Like is that or when you you know what I mean? So I, I just think it's like There are companies that are going out of their way to really understand how their silencers work, and it's really cool. And then there's other stuff that's just not. They they don't want to they don't want to care, and it's like okay, cool, but like, you know, this topic I I wanted to talk about. It's like, well, what are we gonna expect going forward? Because a lot of people are asking me. They're like, well, what's next? What's next, Jay? Where do you think the industry is going next? And it's like, well, the industry is only gonna go where the money is unless there's people that forge ahead okay like innovation will die 
in the in the in the opinion of good enough innovation will die so it's important for us to characterize all these silencers so that we know how big the performance gaps are so we can know that once we test them and you see the 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 deltas in the performance you can say oh we were wrong it wasn't good enough this is the new benchmark now okay so that's what you see like when you see things like the hyperion <laughs> when you and, and in these in this smaller size class when you see i mean the nomad is small the hyperion k is small the Helios QD, get out of here. That's small, and that's just waylaying on stuff. It doesn't even make sense how how good that silencer is for the size. It doesn't make sense. That stuff's new, man. This Nomad stuff, you'll see. You you, you need. I don't. I don't think. I don't think some. Some people understand how much better it is and i don't i just don't think they've shot them if that's what it is i think what's, what's happened is like i think people just haven't i think they see the data on pew science pew i think they see my data and they think i don't know what they think they think that maybe i'm for some reason like lying or something or like i don't know and then then you know they shoot them and they're like oh I'm like yeah well, try to tell you <laughs> anyway anyway um So now, yeah, I mean, your search for new stuff probably got narrow recently. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, what should you not expect going forward? I mean, you should probably expect people to either copy or not, either copy or not advance. Like, unless someone figures out a better way to get rid of gas stack and reduce back pressure, like, it's probably something CGS is doing right now. CGS is probably doing it the best right now. Um, with, like, the balance in the way they can do it, the, the technology they have to take advantage of. Like with crazy durable 3D printed titanium, man. Unless someone figures out how to do that better, I don't know, man. We we could move into an era where nothing ha new happens for from like one, maybe except for like from like one like one two maybe two or three companies, and then everyone else goes away. I can see that happening. Um, demand for silencers is high now, but I'm telling you, history repeats itself. What's going to happen when musical chairs gets brutal? What's going to happen, man? What's going to happen when that music stops? I don't know. I'm scared, frankly. I'm trying to get as much data out as I can before that happens for you. That's what I'm trying to do because I, I just I feel like something bad is going to happen. So I'm I'm trying to like get all this data out so you you the industry has it before like before it's too late. Okay. Let's do my gloom. Prophecy. Topic three. At a time of 58 minutes and 40 seconds. Listener questions. Oh, man. I, I'm going to answer some more for you. I love doing this. Let's do some more of these. We're, we're not going to do a ton, but I do want to do some. Um, I really like these, um, and I feel like this podcast has been somewhat negative <laughs> just now. So let's get a, let's get let's get to something positive. Um, even though, I, hey, I think the Nomad is cool, and I think it's just showing. I don't know. I'm just I'm kind of I'm sorry to get back on that topic, but I'm a little concerned that some manufacturers out here are just i i just really hope they're paying attention and i hope there's some dealers paying attention because i really i cannot emphasize to you how important it is to understand what i'm publishing for the gross market like you there are so many people who are like it doesn't matter the sound is not important i'm like 
dude, you're, it's not true. It's not true for you. Your consumers don't think that. Trust me, your consumers don't think that. And they still, you know, they they say things like, our metrics just don't support sound being important. Our sales metrics just don't support that. I'm like, are you sure? I mean, are you sure you're looking at the right uh, KPI, buddy? <laughs> that key performance indicator? I mean, I had to talk about KPIs today with some folks about some stuff. And I think there's a large agreement not only in the sponsor industry, but pretty much in every industry, when you uh, when you're not looking at when you when you're treating something as a key performance indicator because you think it's a key a KPI, but it's not, you can make you can make big mistakes while uh, steering your ship, Captain. And I tell you what, you 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 will run that ship into the ground. So you better you better be careful. I I I, I would caution you. Caution you to use these sales metrics as meaning anything except that your marketing is working and, and demand is high. I mean, I'm not an expert, but I have not met one consumer that says, yeah, I don't care what my sounds or sounds like. <laughs> Could it be that consumers didn't care about sound because they didn't have an answer for it? Hmm. Riddle me that. All right, let's go to our spreadsheet. <laughs> let's move into our handy dandy spreadsheet and let's get positive. Let's get positive on this podcast. So I don't. My God, it's so depressing. Okay, let's see. We're gonna we're gonna and we don't have that much time, so I'm just gonna go through a few of them. Um, last time in our spreadsheet, we left off on uh, global question 87, the local question 16. What makes a good subsonic? suppressor compared to a supersonic suppressor um that was an excellent question and i and i did explain that um it it really is about uh, trapping the gas and what problems you run into trapping gas with um, different flow rates and what can happen pressurizing the entire volume of a silencer with supersonic flow um and in subsonic flow um, having some more forgiving um pressure uh, conditions so that, that those are more efficient so um if you want to hear more about that um, you can go back to the previous episode and listen to that question so thank you sir ma'am for asking that um let's go ahead in this episode we'll, we're going to go ahead and go to question 88 local question 17 in the second question solicitation any plans to test the 762 mini 2 on 223 or 30 okay so this is a this is a question about a surefire silencer 762 mini 2 i think that's yeah i think that's what's called there's a surefire um 762 mini 2 it's a it's a compact version of the 762 um uh, the uh, the socom uh, 762 rc2 from surefire um <clears throat> and you know what i think there might be uh different like barrel length requirements or whatever but yeah absolutely i have plans for that for sure guys folks have asked for it if i remember cor- correctly I think it's about the same size as the standard 556 RC2. So since it has a larger bore, you know it's going to have a higher mass flow rate. So it's going to have lower flow restriction, less back pressure than the 556 RC2, which already doesn't seem to have an extreme amount of back pressure, if you remember me talking about that last time, right? So if folks are looking for that one-size-fits-all solution in a surefire silencer, but they don't want to go to the full-size 762 RC2, Maybe the mini is something they're curious about, all right? So I imagine that's why folks are looking for data. Um, And that makes sense. So it totally makes sense. So probably if I was a consumer 
in the space looking to minimize purchase and maximize value. And I was a Surefire fan for whatever reason, like a cloner or like a, for flash reduction or like back pressure reduction, or durability or their mount. Yeah, I would probably look at the silencer too. So I get it. Um, I'll definitely test it. I kind of have to at this point for completeness, really. Um, excellent question, sir, ma'am. Uh, and yeah, I would test it on both 5.56 and 7.62. And for that matter, we could even test it on subsonic 300 blackout. That'd be weird. But yeah, I'll, I'll test it. Yeah, good question. Thank you for asking that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I do have plans to test that. I was actually thinking about that the other day. And I think someone on ARFCOM asked, actually asked me about that too. Yeah, okay. Next question. Um, question 89. Look at question 18. Do mount styles affect sound? Example, YHM resonator with a factory mount versus plan B or chemo. So that's, uh, so okay, so the YHM resonator um, it has a modular rear end, right? It's a rifle silencer, and you can add um, something like the Q plan B, which is that universal steel coupling, and then you put the cherry bomb in it, or like a dead air chemo, which is the dead air key mount coupling system that can go onto a key mount, like a, a muzzle breaker flash hider. So the question is, do, do when you change that type of mount in a silencer like that, well, do, does it change? Does it affect the sound? Um, excellent question, sir or ma'am. Uh, the answer is yes, probably. Um, but sometimes no, probably. <laughs> So I think you're you're, you're going to see the biggest difference in perceptible sound when you have high back pressure mounts. Um, and ooh, I'm going to say something that's weird, but like the Surefire Break, the Q Cherry Bomb, and I don't think, I really don't know, but I do postulate that you're not going to see as big of a difference going from a dead air or rugged or silencer code break to flash hider simply because of the way their mounts work and the way their silencers work. So I feel like there's a class of mounts that matters, a class of mounts that doesn't matter. And then you have those universal mount silencers that can take any mount. And that's where you got to be careful, I think. Okay. And um, I actually discussed this with some folks on ARF, again, on ARFCOM the other day. I've been going to ARFCOM more because people have been posting my data and they want to discuss stuff with me. Like I don't go out of my way to post on ARFCOM like independently because I don't want there to be problems. Because if I start posting there, only like I'm telling you, someone's going to accuse me of like, you're you're trying to sell something, you know, something stupid like that. So like I basically just wait and people people always post there and they then they tag me and they're like, hey, Jay. And I'm like, okay, I can respond to you. That way, like, you know, that's, and isn't that sad that like I can't even go and engage in discussion there without feeling like they're gonna like go insane? <laughs> I don't know. It's Arfcom is a very dangerous place. Um, always has been. It's fine. Um, but I did speak about this very topic with someone there. Someone, cause someone asked a nice gentleman. He posted it in the Sansa sub forum of the Army. There, they they posted regarding my data and they because they, they shared they wanted to share the Nomad Thirty data with everybody and they did people talked they started talking about it and it started leading to some questions from the public and they said you know i'm gonna answer and uh you know i love educating people that is one thing you got to understand um i do like answering your questions it's super fun if i ever don't know the answer to something off the top of my head i i will tell you i don't know 
And at the very least, I'll try to give you uh, give you an answer to help you. Okay, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I, I I almost never ignore people. Um, so yeah. So anyway, this dude was talking about mounts influencing back pressure, and I told him, yeah, they can. And what have we learned about mass flow rate? If it increases, you reduce back pressure and often reduce sound suppression unless the silencer works with other mechanisms more efficiently, like OSS, for example. Okay, so remember the tipping point. It happens in low omegas for certain designs, and a guy on Reddit figured this out using my data. Look into it. He made a chart where he basically plotted omega metric by um, versus suppression rating, um, and he drew a line. He drew a trend line through the data in in semi log space. And what did he see? Well, the silencers above the line are more efficient. That and 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 and, and that, I mean that's. It's not perfect, um, and I actually, it's funny. I talked to the guy, private messaged me before he posted the data because he he didn't want to like step on my toes. I was like, dude, thank you. Um, but I told him I was like, I've done that before. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny he did it too. It's cool. And I told him in the public comments, I said in the in the post, I said I'm glad people look into this because when you look at the data like that, then you're seeing what the power is of this, right? This it's parametric analysis now. Like people are talking about, people are like, "Oh, you know, Jay, you should look at the length and the weight and the efficiency." I'm like, "No, no, no, forget about that for a second. I mean, that's anyone can do that. That you're just using one. That's one. That's one parametric comparison. What if you looked at the multi-dimensional comparisons?" When you look at back pressure and sound suppression, what are you really looking at? Mass flow rate and sound suppression and how it correlates and how some silencers beat the game? That's meaningful, dude. Anyone can look at, well, this is quieter. This is short and quiet. Okay. Is that a metric of efficiency? It is. But, I mean, some of this stuff, man, is... You're, and I'm not telling you what metric of efficiency needs to be most important to you. Okay, so don't get it twisted. You can do whatever you want, but what I'm saying is, the data is there for you to really understand what's going on. And part of the reason I haven't organized it in a certain way is because I do want people to dig a little bit here. I want you to. I mean, this is public. This is a public research cooperative. I need you guys to understand what you're looking at. Don't wait on me to explain. You look at it and see what's... And if you think you know what's going on, tech at PewScience.com. Okay, we'll talk about it. Um, you, this this back pressure question, man, and this sound suppression question with mounts, You there's people... Like the guy in ARFCOM was like, dude, I'm not super up to speed on this, but I feel like changing the way the gas enters the silencer is going to affect flow rate. And I was like... Look at the big brain on ARFCOM guy. Yes, you are correct. It does change it. When does it not? Well, when it doesn't affect the flow rate. What mounts affect flow rate? Well, not all of them do. Does the cherry bomb? Well, anecdotal information seems to say it does. Does the surefire break compared with the flash hider? Well, anecdotal information seems to say, say it does. So... You know, when 
flow moves through different orifice sizes. It does different stuff. Um, it can be very complicated. And depending on the, the, what's inside the blast chamber, it can be very complicated. So keep that in mind, okay? This is getting important. And there's a lot more to how a silencer sounds than just the blast chamber too. But the flow restriction can, can be affected and it can help the sound. It can hurt the sound. Sound is complicated. And the reason why we have to test is because this is complicated. If it was easy to model, we would just model it all. It can be modeled. It, of course it can. Anything can be modeled. It's just um, computationally expensive. So we test instead. Okay? Okay. So um, I hope that answers your question. I know that's a long answer. A little bit disjointed, but I hope that helps. Okay. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're doing okay. Okay, question 90. Um, local question 19. Dumb question, but... You can only have one suppressor. What do you get and why? Okay, first of all, sir or ma'am, um, there are no dumb questions ever. There are only hesitant people that don't ask questions because they don't want to look dumb. But hey, joke's on them because you aren't dumb. You're curious and you're wanting to learn. I would never, ever make someone feel ashamed or inadequate or, or less than someone else because they asked a question, dude. Like, that's not how I am. It's not how I roll. It's the people who don't ask and then also pretend to know things and then tell people wrong stuff that bother me. That bothers me. Um, I see it a lot. So I respect people who, who can say, I don't know. That's a very, very important trait to have. So to your question, only one silencer and why? Well, it would be a 22 silencer. Um, I would go rugged Oculus. I think I would go rugged Oculus um, two configs. It you know has two configurations. It's ultra durable. Some of the best customer service and quality in the game. Little to no first round pop on certain hosts. Really consistent performance. Looks great. Good silencer. Everyone needs at least one 22 silencer. Having a 22 silencer is very important due to sound, cheap ammo, utility, everything. Man, you guys realize you can use a 22 silencer to hunt for food. Teach new, new shooters, shoot anywhere you want, and everything. So it's the best and most versatile group of silencers you can buy ever. So 22, bar none. Okay? I'll test some. I'll test some more so you can see. You, you, you've already seen the rugged, it's, the rugged Oculus. is super quiet. You'll see some more. Okay, let's, let's do another question. Um, question 91, local question 20 in the second solicitation. Do you expect 45 ACP to be substantially louder than 9mm subsonic through equivalent silencers? Okay. Uh, good question, sir or ma'am. It depends. I think it depends where you measure. Um, and it depends on the silencer. Um, you're asking me if I expect it. If I expect 45 ACP to be substantially louder. I've already tested. I've already tested some 45 stuff. Um, here's the thing, homie. I need you to put on your thinking cap for a second. Well, I want all of you. Let's let's put on your thinking caps and let's talk about this. Okay. So, what have we what have we learned so far in the sound signature in the sound signature reviews? Well, we have learned that in subsonic flow, the primary mechanism for a quiet silencer is trapping gas, and silencers that are more efficient at doing that are going to do it well. Because they don't fill up as fast with supersonic flow, right? Um, and there are less complex geometries required to do it well in subsonic regimes. So, I mean, that's not to say that 
<clears throat> excuse me. That's not to say that it's easy to make a quiet subsonic silencer, um, but it's easier than a supersonic silencer. It is. Um, and so what is a 45 silencer for a pistol? What is it? Well, it's a subsonic silencer. So what are the limitations to the design? Okay, well, you can easily see or think about two limitations immediately, right? So you're, the diameter, so the volume, and the hole size, right? So the diameter is limited to what people are willing to put on a handgun, right? Okay, so that's important. So forget about the little pistol red dots and all that crap, MRDSs, right? The mini red dot sides. Forget, forget about that. Because think about a regular handgun without a red dot, because of which most exist, of which most handguns don't have red dots, like, Full stop, right? Okay, so most pistols don't have little optics on them. So that right there means people don't want a one and a half inch, two inch diameter pistol silencer. It's too big. They can't shoot the silencer right. They're like, what is this? It's a coffee can? Got a Coke can in my, sil- in my, in my gun? So immediately your volume's limited because you, you can't make it big. So say, so does volume does volume help with, with subsonic flow suppression? Well, for simple designs, absolutely it does. Okay, so this is the handicap one. You're handicapping yourself on volume due to diameter. So, well, what's factor two? Well, bore size. So how the heck are you going to trap a lot of gas when the hole in your baffles is really big? And you have to make it a little oversized still to the pistol cycling and the thread tolerances. So really, you're you're really you got big holes in 45 pistol silencers, dude. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have a okay. You have a big hole. So what does that mean? Back to basics. Well, that means you're gonna have all other things equal a high mass flow rate unless you have a lot of baffles. And if you do, it's gonna be long. So factor one, the diameter controls volume. Factor two, the hole. Okay, it, the whole, both those factors, factors one and two, both make you need to make the silencers long, right? You lost volume because of smaller diameter. How are you going to make the volume up? Well, you got to make it longer. Your hole's big. You need more baffles. How are you going to get those? you got to make it longer. Both things make you make it longer. Well, how long is the AAC Tyrant 45? How long is the Rugged Obsidian 45? In its full configuration. Both of the sensors are long, dude. You know why they're long? I just told you why. Because of physics. Because they had to make them long to work. So your question, how does it do? Well, it's all about pressure. And actual sound signature. So stay tuned. So all other things equal, you can't make a 45 host as quiet. All other things equal. But things aren't equal. As you just listened to me speak about. So I just talked about silencer lengths. So they're not equal. You asked about equivalent cans. Well, there are no equivalent cans. There's no such thing. Nine millimeter silencers and 45 silencers are inherently different due to what I just said. So it was a good question, sir or ma'am, but it was loaded. And you didn't mean to give me a loaded question, but you did. Because you said, do you do I expect 45 ACP to be substantially louder than 9mm subsonic through equivalent cans? And the answer is, there is no equivalent. Because they're inherently different by their nature. Okay. Okay, I think that's, I'm going to highlight that. That was a lot for me to just say. I think I just broke my brain. Because I just like switch gears a lot <laughs> sometimes that happens it's fine we're gonna close our spreadsheet all right okay we're gonna <laughs> i'm sorry guys that i think the bad time on a 
man, affected my my my, uh, my brain here. Uh, topic four at a time of one hour, nineteen minutes, and thirty four seconds. Man, welcome to to new manufacturer members of Pew Science. Shout out to KGM, powerful KGM. Also, huge thanks to consumers and dealers. Man, I I was I this is a pleasant surprise. I I love it. There's a lot of new manufacturers in the space doing a lot of stuff and when when someone approaches Pew Science to to tell me not only that they um value what I'm doing but they would like to work with me i'm like that's an honor and there's a lot of different people in the industry and it's hard to keep track of them all and so i'm doing my best to serve the entire industry in the best way i know know how to advance the state of practice in the best way i know how and i think the best way i know how is to test as much stuff as i can to offer services to as many parties as i can and just keep on going and and so thank you um thank you to kgm you know whenever a science manufacturer throws their hat in the ring and supports pew science man it just makes me happy they are not only contributing to the effort they're showing that the effort is gaining traction and they believe in it and that's important and it, and it is important and this is important and i don't i don't want to dwell on it but it is important that science companies recognize this because the data is available on the website it's free there is absolutely nothing. There is absolutely nothing stopping science or companies from joining Pew Science either. Like if they want to use the data for R and D, like all the data, like they're like on the in the back end and everything, they're like free to join. Like they can see like the ear stuff too. Like they're free to join. It's useful. It has advanced the state of practice more in a year than most things have done in a decade. I promise, dude. Like you're because now you're seeing finally in one place like what's good and what's not definitively. So yeah, so kudos to KGM. It's huge for Pew Science, frankly, and it's it's actually big for the industry too. Because uh, when another science manufacturer joins, that's big, dude. Trust me. When a ma- when a science manufacturer joins Pew Science, that's big. It means a lot. It's it's important. Okay, so. Thank you to consumers and dealers. Um, you, you consumers are making this happen in a big way. And our dealers, man. Boy, howdy, is it amazing to see what you, you guys do so well. Um, sell, selling sponsors, man. Helping customers with using our data. That's crazy. You're using Pew Science data to help your customers understand how the sponsors might perform for them. Dude, you're falling back to objective data. The consumers see it. It builds trust. It builds helpful recommendations, and it's great, man. So thank you. That's I'm getting every day now. A guy sent me today. He 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 made and he showed me how to do it, and I need to do it. I'm slacking. He made a QR code. There's a QR code generator. He freaking made a QR code to go to the reviews on PewScience.com, and he print he like printed it out by the suppression rating printout he had put on his display case and now people can just use the qr code to go to the website to the sound signature review page and they can look at everything in his shop this guy just took the initiative he's like bro check it out and he damned me he's like bro check it out the qr code i made i put it in my instagram story i was so proud i don't know it's like 
made my heart swell up. I was like, this is great. It's working. So thank you. Thank you um, to all of you listening, to Science Shop, to Pew Science. I'll talk to you folks again soon. Let me know what you want to see next. Okay? I do listen. All right. Stay safe out there.